0: reasons that I wanted to bring Joel up here is because heaven and hell was asked about a lot. And I think that, you know, it's easy sometimes to think of some of this stuff academically. Like, what does the Bible say? What does it not say? Um, Let's proof text. Let's find evidence. But this is a topic that I think usually when you as a pastor have this conversation with people, it's much more emotional. It's about, you know, where are the people that I love? What's ultimately going to happen to me? And so it stops being maybe as much of an academic topic and more of a topic about hope and what's in the future. So I just want you to kind of share a little bit about those conversations yeah. that you've had. You know,
1: I, th- things like the Bible Project kind of give you that what what is this thing mm-hmm. before you just start reading it. So you, like in my training, it was read the Bible and figure out what it is. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people would do better if they would back up and and figure out what it is, then start reading it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can do it simultaneously too, but one of the things that we sit up here, we're not these experts, but we have the privilege of 2,000 years of research and study and history that have now made itself, has now made itself so much more discernible. Mm -hmm. And so we can go, we know more now We understand more i mean the bible wasn't printed for people till you know 400 years ago so we can take it and now the studies that have been done kind of bring that narrative to a more clear more beautiful understanding i mean there's whole nations and and decades of people that live their life on the pieces and parts approach to the bible we don't have to do that anymore when i'm talking with people about heaven and hell and and the hope that they have i've done it where it's been the pieces and parts approach Where it's like, oh, maybe this will patch up your hope and maybe this will patch up your pain. But over the past couple years, I've learned this broader narrative Mm -hmm. that is so much better than giving them a specific answer. It's so much more emotionally satisfying and true to the human experience to be able to sit with someone and go, do you understand that when we talk about heaven, we're talking about a creation story? where heaven and, and, and earth were together, hmm. where God's original design was heaven and, and earth was s- the same place. Right. God's space was with people. Hmm. Then, like you just shared, it got broken. So God's left this space to a degree. We're caught in this gross debacle of death. Jesus comes and offers a solution to that and starts to re-enter us back into the new creation story, which ultimately culminates with human resurrection. Jesus resurrected so that we could one day resurrect. And so many of us, I think with heaven and hell, start with this idea that when we die, we're going to, our spirits are going to go somewhere. Mm -hmm. Well, if we look at the Bible, that's actually not in the Bible. The Bible's not even concerned with that. The Bible is concerned with fixing the human project. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about heaven, what it is is God's space. It's God's space. And ultimately, the end of the story is a new heaven, new earth, taking this created space, shaking it up, and rebringing it back into the way that it was supposed to be yeah. with humans and God together on earth. So when you talk about heaven, people want to know, well, d- where'd they go? When they died well the new testament one of the things john and i talk about is with this idea of thinking about the scriptures from a narrative perspective is we have to re um restart our approach to how we talk about the bible and what we say the bible's not loud about what happens right when someone dies it's loud about what's ultimately going to happen. It's loud about your total destination with resurrection for those in Christ. But it's not real loud about, well, when someone dies and their their body's sitting there, where, where did they go? It's really in the New Testament it says three things. Three things. It talks about to be in peace. It talks about to be in paradise. It talks about be safe, to be with the Lord, and then ultimately to be waiting for what? Resurrection. Resurrection. So when someone dies, if they're in Christ, the the New Testament's hope is, well, do you know that the beginning of the story was you were never supposed to die, now physically you died, but God's hope and promise is that he will resurrect you on this earth, you, your body, your friend, your family member will resurrect on earth and be like Jesus was when he rose from the dead, healed? It's amazing. It's, yeah. a, it's a hope. Oh, so, so, so they're pausing. They're, so the
0: idea is that the thing that we typically think of as heaven is life after death. Life after death. And the Bible addresses that. And yeah. it talks about being in the personal presence of Jesus, being at peace, being safe. But ultimately what the Bible is concerned about is life after life after yeah, death. Yeah, life after life after the death. The resurrection. Our ultimate yep. hope. is what happened to Jesus will one day happen to us.
1: Yeah, it's not really hopeful for us to tell people, well, you know, their body's in the ground and their spirit is somewhere floating around when we don't understand what that is and we don't have a good picture of that. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, the great hope is death has lost its sting. Mm -hmm. So they're pausing, but what's after that is so hopeful and wonderful. And it it literally brings to life. So it means it means that you can actually just know your destiny is not this thing you can't grab a hold of, but it's all that's good now. Yeah. With all that is ultimately supposed to be good forever. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a beautiful hope. So I, I sit with people and if someone is in Christ, then I'm like, I show them. I mean, I just did a, a funeral over the Christmas break. Where I, I got to stand up in front of the whole room and say, This this death is temporary. This person's gonna resurrect and be in Christ. And when Jesus says, you know, uh, with Lazarus, I am the resurrection and the life, he's talking about for us. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just I'm gonna resurrect and so you your spirits all get to go to heaven. It's I'm gonna resurrect, so you get to resurrect. Yeah. What? You start to think about that, really think about that. that you, we're all going to get old or something could happen, and our bodies will stop, pause. If we're in Christ, we have a moment of rest. We have a moment of peace. And then, boom, we spring up from the ground as the seeds of the resurrection now find themselves. And if that's what the Bible is concerned with. Yeah, It's beautiful.
0: It is. And one of the things that I've been really interested in is like, why does that matter? Like, who cares? And what I've noticed is that a lot of You know, if your understanding of the afterlife is that we're going to leave this place and go somewhere else, then why does it really matter what we do while we're here? Why does it matter how we steward the earth, care for each other, if ultimately we're just going to go somewhere else? And what
1: what classic kind of last-hundred-year evangelicals have said is, oh, we're just just after souls. mm -hmm. But that doesn't make sense in the narrative, does it, because Jesus rose from the dead. Mm -hmm. So, so if he rose from the dead and we're going to rise from the dead and there's a new heaven, new earth, w- we just want to evacuate and get out of here and leave this place? Yeah. yeah,
0: and the point is that actually this place will be restored. Yeah. And so the Apostle Paul says that nothing that you do while you're here is in vain. All of the work that you do for Christ, all of the work that you do in his name, in his image, will be resurrected with you forever. That's hope. Yeah. That's why this life matters, and that is almost like, brings me to tears. Instead of
1: some of the language in the Bible, again, if you do pieces and parts, we think heaven is up there. But it's kind of a misinterpretation of what the author is saying, the presence of God, or the distance of God, or up, down, or Jesus ascending. But ultimately heaven in the Bible is God's space. And when we see Jesus raising from the dead, you should start to view it differently. Jesus has already been with the Father after he raises from the dead. And now he's appearing and reappearing. And he doesn't go up and down the whole time. Part of him going up at the end is about the commission. It's about the language. It's about the, the gravity of sending them out to share the kingdom of God. So he ascends to kind of make a point of prominence and ultimate, like, kingdom. But when Jesus shows up to Thomas, when Jesus shows up to the people, he just appears and reappears. I want the church to start to think of like ultimately the resurrection is starting to re-bring heaven and earth back together and ultimately it will culminate after some things. But Jesus is in God's space. He's God. So he's right. You mean like I think of it like there's a curtain Mm -hmm. and like heaven is not that far and Jesus can appear, reappear, and it's amazing and we're invited into what that will ultimately become. It's it's and, much,
0: and he, and he actually, because that's true, he shows up in this world through the church, yeah. the, the body of believers, yeah. the way that we take his mission to the world.
1: So when we talk, cool. go, so let's go to hell. Yeah, well, I was just going to say. So, let's so, not go to hell. I, don't, like, <laughs> I, I just, it was a <laughs> Freudian slip. Um, um,
0: so when we, so, so just to summarize heaven. Yeah, heaven. Something about the narrative of the Bible is, is mostly about heaven and earth and how it's supposed to be together. And so when we think about restoration, when we think about what God's plan is, it's to bring them back together, not to do plan B and go somewhere else. So then what does that mean for hell?
1: Two, two things real quick as you said that. Um, when the Bible talks about the earth groaning in birth pains, a lot of times we think, for some reason we think God's gonna destroy this earth mm-hmm. and then make, a, make this all different. But if the, if the heavens and the earth are groaning as in birth pains, what, what comes after the birth pains? The birth. A baby. A baby, according to studies. Got it. Um, but, <laughs> but a baby that. comes after. So, what, what the author's getting at is that right now, with separation and brokenness, this is grumbling and broken. Mm-hmm. And one day, God's going to bring it all back together yeah. and there's yeah. going to be newness. The other yep. part is there's a passage in Psalm, I think it's 96, that talks about the end times and, and what God is ultimately going to do as he restores this thing. And it says that he will bring judgment he will judge the earth and when uh, for some reason in our minds in the past 100 years we associate with judgment like destruction or apocalyptic movement punishment. in the world or a punch or like punishment what the word in in the original language means is to make right to make it right yeah. and so what view it like this if there's a widow that needs help god's idea is to bring judgment to the widow to make her situation right. And so what God is saying and what the the psalmist is saying is that one day God will take all that's broken in the world, judge it like a good judge going, I'm going to make it right for the widow. I'm going to make it right for the orphan. I'm going to make it right for brokenness. And so we just have this idea that one day God's just going to punish and destroy and then only souls that are in Christ are going to float around. That's not the picture. The picture is the earth will be shaken up, redone, Jesus will be a literal earthly king. We will dwell with him for eternity. Not spiritual beings. Bodily, bodily. Whole. We, are, we are, what is it? We are, we are wholes, not just souls. Right? That's why Jesus rose from the dead. It wasn't just a pretty picture. Mm-hmm. It was our destination. So with hell, um, oh hell. Um, here's the deal. A couple of misconceptions of hell. All right, I think the first one we, we have to take from what our modern idea of hell is. Yep. You die, you don't know Jesus, you go to hell. Eternal, spiritual torment, punishment, lake of fire. Yep. First of all, that idea is not in the Bible. So in the Old Testament, the word for hell, sheol, is really the word for grave. Never once is there a word in the Old Testament for hell that means eternal afterlife punishment for some existence. Every single time it means, and this is the Jewish mindset, it means that a grave would happen, that people would die and go into the ground. Which
0: they're not ultimately supposed to. They're not supposed to go there. So that is tragic. It's
1: tragic. It's bad, but it's not spiritual torment forever. Yeah, it's it's sad. People are gonna die. They're gonna go into the grave. And basically, like you just outlined, the whole world, humans and the earth are wondering, well, how do we fix this? How do we fix this grave problem? So in the New Testament,
0: good.
1: in the New Testament, we have three different words for hell. Never once do any of those words mean eternal punishment in a lake of fire. They're always to do with a place or an experience on earth during this time, during the time of Christ and after. Even if you're reading through the book of Mark, you read this week where Jesus is talking about what life on earth is like if things aren't right. And then he uses the word for they'll be cast out into hell. The word there, hell, is the word Gehenna, not Gehenna, Gehenna (laughs) and And what it meant was a trash heap outside the city, the literal city of Jerusalem, where they would take things to burn up. They would take bodies that have been crucified. They'd take babies that have died on childbirth and they would burn them. In fact, there's belief that in the Old Testament that this place at times was. Uh, used to torture and used to kill people, and they would call it the Valley of the Drums because they would play drums so people couldn't hear the screaming. There would be weeping and gnashing of teeth in this literal place called hell. So when you start to look at the Bible and what it talks about hell, if heaven is supposed to be here and we're supposed to bring it, and because of death and sin, it's not here, what fills up that space on earth is hell. The absence of God's principles and power and so we can actually bring hell to earth. And we do. And we do. Yeah. We, do we did it then. Yep. We do it now. Yep. And so you might go, well, what about people who, so, so we're not, even if you look, some of us grew up, we knew the scriptures and we thought, well, wait a minute, the book of Revelation talks about the lake of fire. If you read the next verse, it says that the lake of fire is going to be thrown into a pit and go away forever. So even the lake of fire isn't going to last forever. So it's a metaphor for spiritual realities. I believe when it comes to hell that the reality is it's when, we, it's when we cease to evolve into the humanity that we're supposed to actually be in Christ. So humans, without God's restorative nature in our bodies, even in the future, if we don't know Jesus, we will just shrink and shrivel into this thing That is never what we're supposed to be without the resurrection. And so right now, we're not fully realized as resurrected beings. There is choice. Choice matters now, and choice matters in the future. If someone doesn't choose Jesus, they're choosing to turn their back on their king and turn their back on resurrection life. I believe that's hell now. I believe that's hell later. And so it it, it actually makes...
0: So in the, narr- in the things narrative, things matter way more in the narrative of the scriptures. If God is on a restoration project to bring heaven back to earth to make humans what we were always supposed to be, we have we have the ability to not partake in that.
1: We, we we get to choice is so important. See, one of the things that we we kind of de- we kind of delude choice by saying, I'm choosing to believe in Jesus so when I die, my spirit goes to heaven. But ultimately, the, the reality is, is that I'm supposed to now start to be transformed to bring heaven to earth now. Mm-hmm. So I choose God, not just in salvation, but in every single day to bring the kingdom of God to earth. Mm-hmm. The same thing happens when we go, I'm not going to choose God. I'm not choosing him. So now we're not receiving salvation. We're not receiving transformation. We're not bringing heaven to earth. And we all know that if we looked at Matthew 5, if we looked at Mark 10, 11, all the things Jesus, we've been talking about, that if we live out the opposite of what Jesus calls the kingdom of God, the result is hell, evil. It's there. It's weeping. It's gnashing of teeth. It's a real problem And Jesus came to say, I want to solve that once and for all. But there is choice. And so I do believe that people will be out of the kingdom of God for eternity because they choose not to be in it. To participate in the kingdom of God. So people need to understand that we're not we're, – this isn't some new fluffy universalist idea where we're saying everyone goes to heaven and everyone goes to hell. No, I don't – we it's don't actually, believe – It's actually scarier. It's scarier. You yeah. have to choose. Yeah. And Your choice matters.
0: Right. Right. And it's not some other place. Like you can cease to be even the subhuman that you are now. That One day you'll transcend. You can choose to become less and less and less that until eventually – you get to a place of eternal separation from God and you will you know, you don't partake in any of the promises that the scriptures point to. And so that is hell. I mean, that that is hell. It it, it just might be a little bit different than the eternal torture chamber that we put in our minds
1: To, to just to hit on that, this eternal torture chamber. We have Babylonian literature written in the book of Revelation that people have kind of brought into full view and said, this is what it is, and then you have Dante's Inferno. Yeah, that's mostly where it comes from. Mostly literally the western world is infatuated with this idea of eternal punishment that is not found in the Bible in, in that type of language. Right. In in the this, the, le- the the divine comedy, the levels of hell, torture, torment, purgatory, that is not a biblical idea. That is something that was introduced. And another thing uh, just just to we can close this down. Hell has been used to scare people. to scare people. Yeah. Just, just for all you Christians grow like up, You grew up, you're going, you hear this, you go, this doesn't sound like what I learned. Go read the book of Acts. Not one time in the first contemporary members of the church when they preached the gospel, not one time do they mention hell. Never, never do they stand up and go, and if you don't embrace Jesus, you're going to go to hell. They stand up and say, here's the gospel. Jesus rose from the dead. That proves he's a king. His kingdom is coming. Get on board. And you know what else they do? Instead of going forward, they go backwards. They say, and all this was part of the story from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. This was the story. Moses did this thing. The Israelites did this thing. That didn't work. They tell the story. And they go, now Jesus has showed up. He's a king. You can get on board with that. When you get on board with that, you have resurrection life. And ultimately, the implications, they're there. You don't choose Jesus. You choose the opposite of heaven. Yeah. Hell and they were living in it. So a lot of them got on board with it eventually. So anyway, I just think we should have a more biblical view of heaven and hell if 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 you have a loved one who's passed away and they know Jesus, they chose Jesus and they were choosing Jesus every single day, you can have a profound peace. They're resting. They're in paradise. They're with Jesus. Paul says to be absent from the body, is present with the Lord. That's not an answer for eternity. That's an answer for what happens when you die. So they die, they're at peace, and one day the promised resurrection. That means real people raised from the dead just like Jesus did. Every one of us has that hope. That's why you should choose Jesus. That's why you should choose Jesus is the, the beauty of humanity, the gift he gave us. And to live eternal life and be fully human and know God and know each other and and never die. It's just the beginning. So, anyway, that's, I think, is that all we got?
0: That's it. Both barrels.
1: I mean, my goodness, man. I mean.
0: No, I mean, we, I mean, obviously, like, this is such a broad and expansive topic. And one of the reasons it's difficult is because it isn't loud in the Bible. So, it matters a lot. So, we're trying, you know, theologians try to figure it out from little textual evidence. And so that's why there's some of these ideas floating around and why there's confusion. And so we get that. So, you know, if something that was said today is either unsettling or you think, you know, I read this passage, there's no way what these guys are saying can be true. um, You know, don't get mad. Don't get mad, don't get angry, Uh, reach out to us. We want to have conversations like this with people. We think this topic matters and we know that it's complicated and we are learning new things every day, we don't claim that uh, we are the final authority on the most complicated theological matters in the world. Sometimes I claim that, but I don't actually believe that.
1: All right? I believe it about you, so oh, I ask so you. so kind, Joel. But also, John and I both, like, we're both our students of uh, a lot of different things. John's getting an advanced degree. I have a master's in, you know, Bible and theology. And so we're learning and growing, but we don't know much. But one of the things that we both uh, would challenge anyone to go read to kind of get this this kind of adjustment, in terms of heaven and hell is a book called Surprised by Hope by Anti Wright. It's not an easy read if you don't read theology. If you're in that world, I think you'll enjoy it. But this will start to kind of lay out some things for you in terms of, of yeah. that. So anyway, let me pray for us. God, help us to continue to have our eyes opened so that we can be more like you. We can bring a peaceful, loving solution to the world's greatest problem. Sin, death, brokenness. Thank you so much for being our hope. Thank you for not just giving us a story, but to bringing that story into the fullness of your historical time and life, death, and resurrection on earth to bring us that fullness that we need as humans to understand this picture more clearly. We love you, and we're here today to worship you, and we want you to count all of us in, God. We want to be a part of your story. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Guys, thank you. We'll see you next week for week three of questions.